You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I am Erin McCarthy. And I'm Erin McCourt, and welcome back on this cold, blustery day, at least here. <laughs> I know, I thought spring had sprung, but uh, uh-uh. also it's the day of the daylight saving change, and I'm very grumpy about that. I don't like it one bit. No. Me neither. We mm-hmm. need to talk to the powers that be and get this changed. Yes. Okay. So I want to start off today with a quick correction. We did discuss the Go-Go's last week and how they had not been admitted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. However, I have since learned that they were actually inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame last year in 2021. So congratulations, ladies. Yes. It was was about time. Mm -hmm. So we're good. Super score. Yeah. So keeping on that kind of music punk theme, since they started off as punk, this Mm -hmm. week we're going to talk about Sad Vacation the last days of Sid and Nancy. So this documentary was done in 2016. It's been an hour and 35 minutes long, and it was directed Mm -hmm. by Danny Garcia. In preparation yesterday, I was sitting, put my makeup on and stuff, and I was playing Sex Pistols, and I was laughing to myself thinking, when they wrote these songs and were, you know, recording and whatnot, do you think I was the target demographic, my suburban (laughs) mom situation, you know, with my Alexa playing, you know? So I was dying laughing, thinking, well, I mean, they do have the, uh, they've lasted the test of time, but it was mm-hmm. really fun to kind of, I was had the kids <laughs> listening to it with me. And I'm like, all of this is the grandpa of the music that you're listening to today. This, yeah. So. Yeah. I think the Pistols and the New York Dolls were kind of what led yeah. to a lot of like hair yes. bands and things yeah. like that that really sprouted in the 80s. I decided that my favorite is Anarchy in the UK. That's my favorite song. Mine too. Yeah, it was good. Although God Save the Queen is pretty bitchin', so. My understanding, and I, I should have looked it up, but I believe that they sang that on a barge on the Thames outside of the like, <laughs> Buckingham Palace or wherever the Queen was. They sang God Save the Queen. And I'm like, that's fucking, that's bitchin', man. Right? That's punk right there is what that is. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So we are talking about the Sex Pistols. More importantly, we're specifically talking about Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols mm-hmm. who played the bass. I use the term played very loosely. I mean, they couldn't say anymore. They basically didn't know what they were doing. So, <laughs> no, But that's what punk was, right? Right. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And Sid's girlfriend, Nancy Spungen. You know, there are so many references to Sid and Nancy in pop culture. Yes. Mm-hmm. That I wonder how many people no longer get the reference because we're so far removed from it. Right. But this was a very short-lived, extremely volatile a relationship that ended very badly. Yes. So anytime people compare themselves to Sid and Nancy, I'm like, do you, do you really want to? That's not the best. <laughs> well, they're sort of the, the modern day Bonnie and Clyde, right? So it's sort of the same kind of tumultuous, I don't know, reference. Right. It's just not great. It's not. And I think that they embodied very much the, the idea that fighting was passion. And, it, right. and we see a lot of people that feel that way. It's sad because it's not true. Fighting does not. It it is a passion of some sort, I guess. It's just not the passion that I want. I don't know. I think it's very funny because in this documentary, like three quarters of this whole thing is people being like, they were terrible together. (laughs) (laughs) It's like everybody they knew, they were like, she was the devil. And Mm -hmm. he was kind of sweet until they got around each other. And then they just pulled each other down because they just pushed each other's buttons in the complete wrong way mm-hmm. a lot of drugs involved here which you yeah. know is not unique to this band i mean that's sort of how rock and roll was done mm-hmm. right at the time now not that's not to say she's she does have some people that kind of do say some nice things about her but the vast majority of people <laughs> somebody said she was oh. vampiric i know <laughs> die laughing oh my gosh yeah so and she's like a baby they were. Let's put that in perspective. Yeah. When they died, she was 20 and he was 21. They were babies. Yes. And they'd been together less than two years. Already like two years. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's just something to keep in mind as you hear the story and hear what they've gone through, how young they really were when yes. they were doing all of this stuff. Yes. The documentary opens 
with a Stanley Kubrick-esque shot. <laughs> Did it not remind you of The Shining? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's fitting because Stanley Kubrick stayed at the Chelsea. But this yeah. is a shot of the Chelsea with this guitar music playing in the background that just looks like the elevator will open and blood will roll out. Right. It did not, but it should have. And even the opening credits, I thought that was really well done. I liked that part of it. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it just kind of was all over the place. So for better, for worse, maybe that's reflective of their relationship. <laughs> right. <But laughs> yeah, it does. It does jump around a bit. Yeah. We will not so much. We'll try to be a little more linear, but. Yeah, we'll try to rein it in just a bit. Yeah. So. I will say at the beginning, spoiler, if you're not aware, Mm -hmm. they're both dead. (laughs) And she was murdered in theory and he overdosed. So it doesn't end well. No. But what's interesting at the beginning is someone had said, if someone had told us they'd killed themselves in some grand spectacular fashion, we would have believed it. Right. But none of us believe that Sid had killed Nancy. Right. And I think that kind of sums up the relationship pretty well, doesn't it? I do think that this documentary did a great job of getting first-hand accounts from people that were close to them. Yeah. So it's not like a bunch of speculation. I mean, kind of is, I guess, but of course you can't ask them because they're not around anymore. But these were people that lived next door to them, Mm -hmm. were there with them every single day, like really had that boots on the ground access to them. So I mean, like Mm -hmm. saw them at their good times, saw them at their bad times and sort of had a deep understanding of what their relationship was like as much as you can of anybody else. But I did think that that was probably the strongest part of this documentary was that and they have a ton of great footage of different things they and like did. pictures and stuff and that was really yep. fun to see mm-hmm. but also I mean these were people that were intimately familiar with, with them yeah I mean it, it is amazing that they found some of these people most of them are, are famous in their own right not sure as famous but they were actors musicians artists because that was the kind of environment that the Chelsea mm-hmm. the hotel they were living in mm-hmm. it, it just kind of it was like the center place for all things artistic in New York at the time, right? Yes. Sketchy as fuck, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, all the cool people were there, so you got to deal with the sketchy. Yes. Mm. Start at the very beginning, as Julie Andrews said. Mm. Sid Vicious. He was born John Simon Ritchie, May 10th, 1957, in London, UK. Mm-hmm. And he had said one of his earliest memories of childhood was of his mother pushing him away so she could do speed. That's horrible. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. And his friend said he would try to laugh it off and kind of make a joke of it, but you could tell how much, one, it hurt him, but he was just pissed about it. Like, she didn't live up to her responsibilities as a mother. Yeah. And he knew it, and he had to fend for himself. Mm-hmm. Kind of insightful, really, on his end. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. And you don't think about it that long ago. I think of the drug scene as being much more... Much later. So what did I say? In 57. So I guess the early 60s. Yeah. It is kind of when it was Mm -hmm. happening. Nancy Spungen was born Nancy Laura Spungen, February 27th, 1958 in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. She said herself that she was a really difficult child. Her mother at one point took her to a doctor about these horrible fits she was having. They put her on phenobarbital. As a toddler. As a toddler. Yep. So I I had to look it up because these drugs are no longer like really used (laughs) that much, but it's, it's a pretty strong sedative. They use it for epilepsy now, Mm -hmm. but oh my God, to just sedate your child. Yeah. I mean, there's some speculation from, again, some of the the firsthand accounts in this that Nancy would talk about this and they were like trying to give the doctors the benefit of the doubt that they didn't really know any better, which, you know, okay, I guess, but still it seems like far cry to me. That they were like, well, I guess we're going to have to do something about this. We'll just give this baby some downers. That's that's a <laughs> tough one, you know? It is. But this is this is really the time of thalidomide, too, right? Yeah. So they yeah. really didn't yeah. know anything about drugs. I guess. But I just, I don't know. As I'm listening to everyone talk about her, not only as a toddler, but just as like, so by the age of 11, she was essentially kicked out of public mm-hmm. school because they couldn't handle yep. her anymore. They sent her to a special school that was a boarding school for teenagers with emotional issues. I use quotey fingers there. Yeah. But I wonder if she had been born in a time with better mental health care, that maybe she could have been diagnosed properly with whatever. I am not a, a physician of any kind. I'm not going to diagnose anybody. But clearly something that, mm-hmm. you know, if she had been born later, maybe she could have been more successful in life. Well, I mean, it, I think 
again, we come back to prescribing heavy sedatives to a toddler. You're not really dealing with the the problem in itself. You're just mm-hmm. dealing with the symptoms. Like you're trying to give that poor mother some relief, which I can, you know. Right. You're helping the mother. Yeah. I mean, mother's a little helper. I mean, can we get some <laughs> love for a Stone's tune here? But seriously, a child's not learning to really regulate their own emotions. I don't know what that would look like um, in this situation. We really don't have a ton of detail on what she was dealing with, but it's sort of the first step in a very long line of like not dealing with little Nancy, just kind Mm of, you know, trying to get through this. I don't know. It's just, it just starts off sad. You're like, how is she supposed to be a good and functional adult when this is what, you know, she starts off with. Right. Throughout, you hear people talking about how she was very volatile. She mm-hmm. could be happy one minute and just raging the next. Right. She was very depressed. She was suicidal a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just breaks my heart that maybe she could have, like I said, done a little bit better in life if she had more help. And also, I mean, there's probably, this is a definitely a time, think of the 50s. And, you know, we talk sometimes in the expectations of women and she was not well behaved. That probably didn't go over so great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like... I love a story about a girl that just doesn't conform. (laughs) Right. I love the fact that she just didn't take any shit from anybody. And so, no, I mean, to be that kind of force in nature would be so awesome. Yeah. But then Mm -hmm. again, kind of lonely. Oh yeah. She didn't have a lot of friends. She didn't have a lot of people and that might've affected her as well. But she came to New York with the New York dolls Mm -hmm. and they had a member of the New York dolls talking about how, she rode in the van with them and she was in the back having sex with the members and they're like, yeah, rock on girl. He had even mentioned that he thought she was very sweet. Mm-hmm. She was very helpful. She lived downtown in New York. So anytime after a show, if he didn't have anywhere to go, he would go hang out with her. And she was always nice. And like offering to make sure he had some pocket money, right? Right. Money for a cab, yeah. money for food. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I do think that that's good to give her some depth like she's not just a wailing banshee all the time right so I thought that was pretty cool and again I don't know if she's just 12 at this point or right if you think about she was 20 when she died she had been with Sid for a couple years at that Mm -hmm. point so they met when she was probably about 18 and this is well before that Mm -hmm. so she is underage right she's underage she's working as a stripper Mm -hmm. possibly a dominatrix possibly a prostitute Mm -hmm. any one of those things good for you girl Mm -hmm. Listen, if if I could be a dominatrix, I motherfucking would. You would be amazing. <laughs> I think I would be great at making people feel like shit. I mean, if that's what I got to do. I like that somebody said that she was she made a living beating up bankers. And I was like, huh, yeah. <laughs> German <to> bankers. <laughs> and all of those things, she made very good money. Mm-hmm. So she was able to take care of herself and take care of the others in her life. Mm-hmm. But most of that money went to drugs. So she was always kind yes. of broke, even though she made good money. Mm-hmm. And she was underage doing these things. Yeah. That's difficult. Yeah, that's a problem. Right? Sure. At the same time she's doing that, Sid, who is also a baby, is hanging out in the punk scene in London, mm-hmm. which is where punk was born. It was funny because someone had said he kind of became the avatar of punk. Before him, yes. you could kind of wear what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Long hair, short hair, ripped jeans didn't matter. But he came with this style of black hair and it was spiky and this leather jacket and then that was what punk was everyone wanted to be like that yes permanent snarl on his face (laughs) i love it whenever i think of that snarl i always think of the idol but yeah he did it first yes he did it first Mm. this is one of the roadies that was talking he had also said that he invented pogoing which all i could think about is it's the worst white kid dance ever (laughs) but sure it's like the precursor to the mosh pit or whatever (laughs) They're just bouncing around. They're not bouncing into each other yeah. yet. Yeah. Was that <laughs> the guy named Rodent? Which I'm like, it's a fucking amazing name. Well, Rodent the Rodent. Yeah. But yeah. it was just like mm-hmm. hilarious. He's probably my favorite guy this whole to do. <laughs> he was just so fun to listen to him talk. It was. And the stories he must have. Jesus. Oh, yeah. As a roadie for the pistols and then probably many mm-hmm. more after that. But he ended up, he being Sid, kind of hung out with the pistols. He was with them. It. The quote was, he was hanging around the Pistols long before he became a member. Right. And all I could think of is, long before, how fucking old was he? Just a baby. We must be thinking of this in terms of years, when maybe this is really in terms of months. Because even the story of Sid and Nancy was pretty brief. Evidently impactful. Yeah. But, yeah, so maybe, I don't know, maybe our sense of time is skewed in this. But I liked when they were talking about, the Pistols had the opinion that they were the greatest band ever 
And I'm like, <laughs> like in the world because you are coming from the place of the Stones, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles. The Beatles. Zeppelin, I mean, yeah. think of all of those. So I'm like, I guess that's punk for you. Well, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not playing their instruments nearly as well, so they must be better. I don't know. It just made me laugh so hard because I'm like, of course, if you're an up and coming, uh, like you have rock star dreams, you're going to go for the Pistols because they are the biggest thing of right now. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that was, yep. I don't know, just it would have been an interesting time to be alive. Yeah. Well, and cognizant, right? We were alive. Yes. But at three, I wasn't really rocking out. to the <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. quite yet. Give yourself till no. five. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like Sid would, he went on tour with them. He would drive the van. He would help mm-hmm. out. I don't think it was technically a roadie. He would just pick up on jobs. And he got the moniker Vicious, much like someone who's really tall would get the moniker of Tiny. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. He was just, what did the roadie call him? He called him a marshmallow. Yes. He's like, he was just the sweetest, softest guy ever. Yeah. But the minute he got that moniker, he felt like he had to live up mm-hmm. to it. And people wanted to like challenge him to fights and shit. And I'm like, oh, what a fucking exhausting existence. <laughs> exactly. But it's a great name. It's a great rock and roll name. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you think about the Sex Pistols, the only ones I ever think about are Johnny Rotten yep. and Sid Vicious. Yep. Jerry Nolan's just not got the same ring. No, it right. doesn't. And then Glenn is the one who ended up you know, being replaced by Sid or he, le- he was yes, fired or he has to leave. Ousted, yeah. yeah. And then Sid came to in to replace him. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't even know if he, he doesn't have a last name as far as I know, but Glenn again, is not really striking fear in the hearts of anyone. No. And that might be why they had to get rid of him. They're like, listen, <laughs> dude, you need a better name. And he's like, I like Glenn. It's what my mom right, gave me. Right. They're like, no. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, it was during a tour I want to say during a tour, maybe right after mm-hmm. a tour, that they ousted Glenn, who was the bass player. Mm-hmm. And so Sid was in. And Sid and Johnny Rotten were really good yeah. friends at the time. But once Sid got into the band, I think that friendship probably went downhill because Johnny Rotten liked being the front man, liked yes. being the one with the attention. Yes. And Sid was getting some of mm-hmm. the attention. So mm-hmm. he was very charismatic, even though he couldn't play the instrument right, very right. well. And seemed to have kind of a natural charm to him, right? Yeah. That's what the rodent has to say he's actually got a real name but I just don't want to use it because it's in quotey fingers it was like such rodent you know whatever at the end and I'm like oh so great so great but I mean a lot of other people said the same mm-hmm. thing that he had so much personality and charm that that really carried him through his very brief career mm-hmm. but they mentioned that prior to the pistols Sid did a, a set with Susie and the Banshees I love that band uh-huh. as well that he was the drummer and he would just hit the drum and then hit the wall behind him and then hit the drum and hit the wall behind him. <laughs> like he wasn't actually right. playing. I'm like, that's like if you hired me to be your drummer, that's what you would get. Yes. I mean, how many parents want to live through the evolution of your kid becoming an amazing drummer? Not I. Not having it in my house. I'm all about my uh, my drum pad or whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. Drum machine. Okay, so Sid's finally in the pistols. Mm-hmm. Living that sweet, sweet life. He thinks he's a rock star. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Nancy's living in New York being a groupie. Mm -hmm. And according to her friends, all she ever wanted to do was be a groupie. Mm -hmm. So living up to that dream. But all the women hated her. And they said it's because she worked as a stripper. And I mean, okay, in that time, I guess there was a lot more stigma being a sex worker, period. Mm -hmm. But still, how is this affecting your life, ma'am? It's not. Just be done. Well, I mean, I think part of it was too, like, she always had money. She could always buy drugs. I think that was maybe a, an advantage she had to these other women who were Mm -hmm. kind of like, I don't really know the uh, mechanics of being a groupie, but I can understand that maybe a guy in a band would be more drawn to you if you were also a source of drugs and the boning. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And she was very pretty. So she was. Yeah. And she sounded like a New Yorker too. Boy, that accent. It's funny because there are times in the interviews that you hear kind of trying to do an English mm-hmm. accent because she lived there for a year and apparently that's all it takes to really I mean, acquire yeah. an accent. But then someone would say something like they called Sid Hot and she's like, and you better keep your hands off of him. <laughs> I mean, it was straight New York, even though I slaughtered that accent. It was uh, hilarious. Yeah. She's a very yeah. intense human being. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think all the time so Mm -hmm. much I can't imagine being in her brain it must have been very difficult so 
She slept with a lot of band members, one of which was Iggy Pop. And they showed a picture of Iggy at the time. And even Iggy now, I'm like, but why? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess she had a list and she had to like, it was a box to check, I (laughs) guess. But yeah, (laughs) he, there's not a lot of draw there. I don't know. No, I mean, like some of his music, but he's another person that I just wish would put more clothes on. (laughs) Never has a top on. I don't know. We'll just call that a miss. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he was lovely. But she wanted to go to England. She wanted to be a groupie with the sex bills. She essentially wanted to meet them and become part of the band without being part of the band. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that's probably the best women had to, could inspire to really at this point. To be a groupie, right? I mean, you know, there weren't a lot of girl bands to hold on, you know, five years till the Go-Go's kind of got going. But still, Mm -hmm. this is just, it's it's not been done before. So I don't think that they were thinking that way. Mm -mm. She does go to England. She tried to get with like every other member of the Sex Pistols first and they all turned her down. So Sid was the like obvious answer at the end (laughs) of the day. And I'm like, does he know that's how that went? (sighs) Right. You were like... (laughs) Oh, obviously she chose me out of all these fuckers, but I just yeah. don't feel like that's the case. Like, ooh, not yeah. fun. No, I mean, it's interesting how everyone described him had as a very sweet and, mm-hmm. you know, had a great character prior to Nancy and prior mm-hmm. to the drugs. Now, mm-hmm. Sid did say that she didn't introduce him to anything he mm-hmm. hadn't already been doing. Right. Right. But everyone agrees that once Sid and Nancy do become a thing. I'm guessing very, very hard and fast and quick. This relationship became like crazy intimate very fast is what I I believe. Yes. And they started doing drugs a lot more, which was kind of surprising because according to people in the scene, like mm-hmm. the punk bands did drugs, but it wasn't that much. It was somewhat recreational. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the New York punk scene was really bad. Yes. It's Steve Rodent Connolly. I finally looked at my notes. <laughs> That said that, yeah, they were kind of babes in the woods when it came to drugs and the New York scene was, you know, much more advanced. Yeah. So I think Sid meeting Nancy kind of culminated with him starting to really get into drugs. Like whether she, I think she probably hastened that, but he would have found it on his own according Mm -hmm. to the people that were around him. So, yeah, I mean, think about love at that time in your life is probably super intense. And then you have money. Mm Mm-hmm you know, because of the band. And she's also stripping. So she has a pretty reasonable income. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got the intensity of the love, the intensity of the drugs, the intensity of probably no one's telling you no. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it really probably escalated quickly, if I had to guess. Yeah, it was crazy. And like you said, one person described it, he said, Sid loved Nancy, like capital L loved Mm -hmm. Nancy. Yeah. But this guy said that she was a whiny, horrible, horrible, vampiric woman. (laughs) Oh, put that on my headstone. I know. I was just like, (laughs) oh, my God. There's lots of talk about they would come up with some schemes to get rid of her. Try to send her away, right? Like Sid had to go to the dentist. And so they're like, listen, we're going to kidnap her and we're going to send her back on a one-way ticket. Right. How dramatic is that? I mean, just like fucking hilarious. And she won't go. She just was like, no, there's just like screaming and kicking and all that stuff. And I was like, I kind of love her just a little bit, like from a distance. I don't yes. have to deal with her. Yes. But yeah, hilarious. Yeah. And someone had pointed out one time, I don't remember which one pointed at which friend there were like, mm-hmm. there were like three or four of her friends they were talking mm-hmm. to. That had maybe everyone not made such a big deal about it. And maybe they just let it be and weren't trying to get rid of her so much that it might not have been so bad. Like it might Mm -hmm. not have solidified the relationship against everyone else and really alienated them to everyone else so much. Right. But that's hindsight, right? I mean. Mm -hmm. If you've ever read anything about the concept of limerence, which is that initial like super in love butterflies Mm -hmm. feeling and stuff like that, it's got a finite time limit on mm-hmm. it but if you have fear that your relationship's going to end it kind of intensifies that even more so that might have played into kind of making that a little bit stronger since they were never really sure if she was going to get nabbed off the street and sent off <laughs> <laughs> like, right. uh, so 
I just love yeah. the fact that there's like some kind of Ocean's Eleven style heist to get rid <laughs> of her. over her head. Right. Although one guy was asking somebody else who knew her how to get rid of her. And he's like, well, you'll probably have to kill her. And I'm glad they didn't go that route. Right. Right. <laughs> At least on the surface. I mean, she does end up, quotey fingers, maybe getting murdered. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think it was Malcolm. So they they talk about yes. Malcolm a lot, who was the sex mm-hmm. pistols manager, but they yes. don't talk to Malcolm. I think maybe he had passed already. Yeah, I wondered. But he had asked a manager of another band, like, yeah, how do I get rid of her? I've got all this money. I got drugs. I'll give her whatever. And this guy's like, listen, she got her own money and drugs. She doesn't need that. Right. You're going to have to kill her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've been together for a bit. The Sex Pistols now go on a U.S. tour, which I find interesting because it kind of goes back to last week's episode where we talked about the Go-Go Saw Sex Pistols yes. in like 78. So it mm-hmm. would have been on this tour. Yes. So think about this is when the Go-Go's were born. Mm-hmm. So they do a U.S. tour in 78. No girlfriends allowed which is good. Yeah. But Sid was still really fucked up a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. most people who saw the pistol say either they were the greatest band ever mm-hmm. or kind of the worst band ever. Right. They were wholly inconsistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's very punk, right? I mean, I get mean, what you get. Deal yes. with it. <laughs> that's the novelty of it. Mm-hmm. You know, Sid wasn't a great bass player, but he was a great showman. Mm-hmm. Everyone liked that, except mm-hmm. for Johnny Rotten, who was jealous, I'm sure. Yeah, he was taking some of the street cred. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like they kind of knew the band was done, because Johnny Rotten wanted to do his own thing, and they knew that Sid was kind of going off the rails, and they just let it happen for the sake of publicity. Mm-hmm. They let him just go right into the ground, and essentially, I think they probably blamed him for the band splitting up in the end. I can't remember, but, well, it's not like I was there, but... <laughs> you know what you're, watching you're a rock historian i uh, was really coming through <laughs> there yeah i mean like so glenn leaves and was he an original member i mean they don't really glenn was into. but that was a while back yeah yeah so i mean that's always those kind of fractures are difficult to overcome i mean i don't know if anyone's seen it behind the music but that's kind of the mainstay yeah. of the whole to do mm-hmm. but yeah i mean they there was infighting blah 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 so yeah they kind of just fell apart in one night i mean it's just there was a definite break Right. I mean, it was falling apart. They let it yes. kind of dwindle apart. And then mm-hmm. they decided at the end it was done. Mm-hmm. It was done. And the night that it was done, Sid got on a plane to go back to the UK and was pulled off the plane because he OD'd. OD'd. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a common theme for him. So not necessarily intentionally OD'ing. I don't think he ever intentionally tried to commit suicide. Right. Like Nancy did. Mm-hmm. She cut her wrists a couple times. She... Mm-hmm did things to intentionally try to end her life. Sid, it seems like, just didn't know what he could and couldn't do as far as drugs, right? He didn't understand his limits or he didn't want limits. I mean, I can't really say, but they didn't portray it in this situation as a intentional move. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the band breaks up. Mm -hmm. Sid and Nancy move to New York. Mm -hmm. She's going to make him famous. She's going to be his manager. She's going to make him famous. She's going to be coveted i think that's what she wants she wants to be coveted as well people will have to ask her for tickets and have to go to her right. to get to him yeah right there was definitely some discussion about this is what she'd wanted all along this mm-hmm. being able to come home to the states and be like i have my fancy rock star boyfriend mm-hmm. i have made it and the rest of you guys can suck it yep so this is late august in 78 they moved to new york they check into the chelsea hotel mm-hmm. so Just a little bit of history about the Chelsea. Mm -hmm. It's fairly famous. It's in Manhattan, New York. They used to accept long-term residents, which all these people were. Like, they kind of lived there. They weren't using it as a hotel. They were using it to live there like apartments. They no longer do that, by the way. They still have some long-term residents that were there beforehand, but they Mm -hmm. no longer do that. Everyone who is anyone ever has stayed there. (laughs) You have, like, Mark Twain, Dylan Mm -hmm. Thomas, Jack Kerouac. Mm -hmm. Charles R. Jackson, who committed suicide there, Stanley Kubrick, Eddie Izzard, who I love I know, I know. Uma Thurman, The Grateful Dead, Nico, Tom Waits, Jim Morrison, Iggy Pop, Leonard Cohen and Janis Joplin stayed there and they had an affair. Did you know that? I didn't know No, I certainly did not. Good for them. Right? And I'm a huge Janis fan, so the fact that I didn't know that she had this thing with Leonard Cohen, (laughs) I was like, what? How did I not know? Yeah. yeah. Like, she should have confided in me. (laughs) Difficult to do, but, you know, <laughs> you've held a seance or two, I'm sure. Oh, so many. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So in the 70s, the Chelsea was, as someone put it, the center of the zeitgeist. (laughs) Everything was there. What a great description. It really is. Yeah, epic. And then he also said the people who ran it were very experienced with lunacy. So they fit right in. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, what a what a great way to uh, promote your business. But I mean, like, it seems like a lot of work, right? So, yeah. <laughs> it seems like a whole lot of babysitting <laughs> is what it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I was young and I did drugs, but I just, it was never a lifestyle. That lifestyle seems exhausting to always be searching for that and then getting it and then searching and then get it. it just, I don't know. Well, I mean, there's just no peace is sort of yeah. kind of what I, I'm taking out of this. Like they were constantly looking for drugs. They were constantly, I don't know, hitting up their friends. And, you know, at one point, one of the people interviewed a, a lady was talking about Sid would come and crash with them all day while Nancy was out hustling. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was, you know, stripping and whatever. So the highlight of his life was her coming home and she'd have money and drugs. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's your life? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is a really good example of fame isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Right. So at least if you're dealing with addiction, which would be horrible, let's be honest about that. But yeah, you know, they were some of the most famous people. I mean, would you say in the world at this time? And at the time, yeah, their place smells horrible and there's just trash and shit everywhere. I mean, like, that's that's a horrible existence. Mm-hmm. It is. So I don't know. I just I think this is just again, a great illustration of, you know, it's just not what you think it's going to be. So no, no, but I don't think, uh, I think a lot of times drugs and drug use is glamorized. Oh oh, yeah. It's not glamorous at all. Mm -hmm. Nothing about it. Well, what is interesting to me is they talk about some of the drugs that they did, which, which are no longer available. Mm -hmm. Right. So they talk about quaaludes. They talk about two and all, which I had to look up. I don't know what that is either. Yeah. So two and all was, a combination sedative. It was two different barbiturates made by Eli Lilly and company. One barbiturate would get you to sleep fast and the other one would keep you asleep all night. So first of all, can we bring this back? Because I think I need it. <laughs> yes. If anyone from Eli Lilly right, listening. Right. But it was a very strong sedative and it was discontinued due to diminishing use of barbiturates. They went to um, replaced by benzodiazepines. Oh, okay. Okay. And so it's discontinued, but this is a strong, strong sedative. Mm-hmm. Now, I myself understand that if you don't sleep the world sucks right because I have such a hard time sleeping Mm -hmm. but to do this like they would shoot it up they would inject this right and then sleep and I'm like don't understand if you're doing drugs to get high so to speak that you would do that like they would just inject it and sleep I mean I think it's hard to put yourself in that mindset like they know they need to sleep they want to sleep they're desperate to sleep and also at that age you think you're invincible the way they make it sound is like they would, is like they were doing it much like they would do opioids. Mm-hmm. Like they talked about Dilaudid at that, which oh, is an yeah, opioid, yeah, yeah. and they would do those to get high. And so it makes it sound like they're doing it to get high, but in the end, it's just a really strong sedative. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and who knows? who's to say? John's like, well, it affects everybody differently, and I'm like, that's true. That's true. I mean, this could have been common for people. You know what I mean? Like maybe it wasn't yep. that big a deal. Like it's a big deal to us because it sounds really foreign, but maybe to them it wasn't. Right. And I think quaaludes were downers yes. in that too. So there were a lot of downers going around. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I'm not a, a big enough drug user ever. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, we'll continue our exploration in the theoretical <laughs> realm. Yeah. My body's like, bitch, and then. you had a little bit of fun. That's all you get. You don't even get fun pain relief right. from these yeah. drugs anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's really hard because once they moved to New York, mm-hmm. the only thing that Sid has is. Nancy Mm -hmm. and his character that he's created, Mm -hmm. right? Sid Vicious is a character he's created that he's living up to. He doesn't have his family anymore. He doesn't have that many friends. I mean, they make friends with Chelsea, but it's essentially just the two of them against the world. And then he, I mean, like, I guess I didn't look up. Does he have any kind of a successful solo career? I mean, I would guess it's evidently short, but there's one song that he recorded that they put out. He did a remake of. Oh my God, Aaron! I can't think of it. A remake of it's like a Frank Sinatra song. My way. Yeah, he did. My oh, way. Okay, interesting. Okay, now I'm gonna. I want to listen mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, and they're like, it was magical, and I'm like, well, was it though? <laughs> it's not bad. Okay, it sounds like Sid Vicious doing Frank Sinatra. I mean, right. it's exactly what you think it would mm-hmm. sound like. And he did have a little bit of it, right? So, but I don't know. I think the problem is is her. And the drugs. 
going on the track they were going if they didn't die I don't think he would have been successful because it wasn't he wasn't allowed to be successful right right Mm -hmm. he had the potential just not the right environment well she has no experience right so Mm -mm. you know while she probably could have taken him you know they had some connections and stuff like that he had the name but Mm -hmm. there really wasn't a sense for a long-term situation like you you've got to keep building I would think to kind of get to the next level or to maintain whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah you just really don't get the sense that work was their main priority here (laughs) no it was a means to get the drugs right yeah in other circumstances he might have been like had some longevity Mm -hmm. but the way that this is portrayed they were like burning out super fast yeah I think also had he been a good musician Mm -hmm. that might have helped he didn't have that skill to fall back on he just had a name and a glancing part in the sex business. Yes. So she thought that's all you need. She thought he should be making millions of dollars just being Sid Vicious. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I feel like I should be making millions of dollars just being Aaron McCord. And yet, here I am doing this podcast for fucking free. So, <laughs> Right. I get right. it. Recording in my closet like a schlub. Okay. <laughs> okay. So now we're to the night. October 12th. 19 and 78. He does the show at Max's that yes. night, correct? Because mm-hmm. they kind of go back and forth, so it's hard to it's hard to know. So this is his last yes. show. But it's a big show. She's promoting it. She's like, he's doing the solo show with the band. It's a great location, apparently. Mm-hmm. Very well known. All these people go. Mm-hmm. I think also he thought he did great, even though everybody else was like, Ooh. I mean, not everybody, <laughs> but yeah. he was pretty out of it. Yep. But... I don't know. It was something to see. Let's say it like that. Well, and apparently he was so out of it, like he couldn't even finish a song. <laughs> and he would get halfway through and then just kind of stumble right. or whatever. And she would come out and be like, you're doing great, babe. Yeah. Just go to the next right, song right. Mm-hmm. And, and give him a drink, which is surely what he needed. But, you know, there were a couple different views. So one person said people were complaining about it, but he thought he did great. And that's really what yes. matters. And it was his last mm-hmm. show. So what a way to mm-hmm. go. Someone else said, I didn't hear anyone complaining about a missed note or anything. It was fucking punk. That's what it's exactly. supposed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so thank god he found that genre i don't know that he would have survived in country <laughs> right, classical something whatever. yes yeah <laughs> yeah so they're shacked up in room 100 of the chelsea yep they hang out with this fabulous fabulous man named neon leon neon leon oh, oh. loved it so they had like a dinner <laughs> of like beef burgundy and potatoes and broccoli or some shit like that and so nancy's like do you have any Pot. marijuana yeah yeah and he's like not so much and she's like all right call me if you get some and so he i guess talked to her a couple different times that night as she was still inquiring about it mm-hmm. that was before the show mm-hmm. then they go to the show mm-hmm. and then they come back and so they say at around midnight they being sid and nancy inject two and alls mm-hmm. heavy heavy sedatives yes sid goes to sleep right away mm-hmm. She. Does not. So, okay, side note, that made me think, I wonder if she has almost like ADHD, because you know how that makes your brain completely, like if I take Ritalin versus someone else taking Ritalin, it's very different. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sorry, so it just made me think, because she didn't go to sleep, it could be tolerance, but it could also yeah, be that's what I was gonna say. brain chemistry, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. And you don't know what else they had in their system at this point either, so it, I mean, yep. True. Yeah. So... Nancy calls Rockets. He was their bodyguard slash drug dealer. Rockets Red Glare. What a fucking great name. (laughs) And he looks like such a square, doesn't he? I love how they have like videos of these people. They have pictures. I would not look at him on the street and be like, that man's a drug dealer. Nope. Well, it's really weird. Number one, he was a drug dealer, but he's also sort of their bodyguard. Right? I don't understand that. Yeah. That's sort of a complicated relationship, let's call it. Mm-hmm. So there's some discussion that they've called him. He's coming to bring something. Delotted. Yes. So she's got some cash cash money to give him for whatever they're after. Mm-hmm. He is there at some point. And so that's one stop. Uh, that's one official kind of visit, like a known event that happened that night. Okay. If we look at the timeline, she calls Rockets at 1.30, asking him to bring mm-hmm. some to Laudan. Mm-hmm. She calls Neon Leon 
at 2 or 3 a.m. asking mm-hmm. if he had any pot. Of course, he's like, no, I don't. Also, it's 2 or 3 a.m. Like, and Listen, yeah. these people never, ever sleep is what I've come to terms with. It's, it's New York <laughs> in the 70s. No one sleeps. Yes, I guess. Neon Leon said that he thought he heard a voice in the background. Mm-hmm. He said it sounded real. didn't sound like television. He's like, but it was also the Chelsea phone line. So you never know. Right. Could have been something else. Mm-hmm. So that's two or three. Okay. Rockets and Ned Van Zandt mm-hmm. went to Sid and Nancy's room at 3 to 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. So Ned Van Zandt also lived there. I don't think Rockets yes. did, but I think Ned did. Yes. That was a whole different dynamic. Apparently, Rockets had a thing for Ned, and Ned kind of took advantage of it because he's like, well, he had all the drugs and stuff. Yes, they didn't really explore that. It was just sort of said in passing, and you're like, well, yeah. what, you, what was that? Just and then they yeah. just fly by. Mm-hmm. Just fly right by that. Yeah. So when they arrive at the room, Sid's passed out on mm-hmm. two and alls, she said. Mm-hmm. Rockets did a transaction with Nancy, but... I guess that Nancy still owed him money, so there was some arguing involved. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It got a little uncomfortable, but then Ned and Rockets left the room. They don't really ex- mm-hmm. describe whether or not she paid what he owed. I don't know. Right. Again, it's just sort of a half mm-hmm. description of whatever. And then we go on to the next thing. And apparently there was a big bag of money. Yes. To which mm-hmm. Ned asked Rockets where they got it, and Rockets said that it was a record deal. From a record deal. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then we talked to Victor Colicchio. Colicchio. <laughs> he said he had had some interaction with Nancy that she had called. Mm-hmm. He went down to their room. She had shopping. He talked about the shopping bag with money. Uh, Sid was passed out on the couch still. Mm-hmm. He said there was a. <laughs> he said there was another guy there. He said I don't know. His name started with an S. Snake, Spider, <laughs> Skippy, Stevie, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Snake, Spider, and Stevie in the same fucking sentence. I don't know. Uh, Anyway. So there was someone else in the room. Right. Someone unknown. Yeah. And everyone Mm -hmm. is like, listen, Sid was fucking out. Right. He was out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we hear there's banging on a door. Mm -hmm. The neighbors heard it. This was Leon. Neon Leon and his girlfriend heard it. Yes. And she's like, should we open the door? And he's like, nope. (laughs) It was scary banging, right? It yes. wasn't like a, like you rap on the door of a friend. This is like more intense than that. And mm-hmm. so they also report hearing some kind of metallic clatter as if someone may have dropped a knife, perhaps. Outside the, their door, yes. Outside of the door, yes. Yep. So there was that. Yep. We have Kenneth West, who is the bellboy. Okay. He goes at 5 a.m. He mm-hmm. responds to a complaint from a resident in room 228. Now, if this mm-hmm. hotel is like every other hotel in the world, this is another floor up. Right. I would think, right? Mm-hmm. From where Sid Nancy's floor was. Mm-hmm. He encountered a loud and unruly Sid Vicious who confronted him physically. Mm-hmm. And then following the altercation, Sid looked pretty banged out because apparently Kenneth was not to be messed with. Right. I mean, if you're a bellman at the Chelsea, I feel like you've seen a thing or two. And maybe you know your way around a fistfight or a you know, whatnot. So, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, he identifies it as the Englishman or something like that later. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty safe to say he knew who he was dealing with. So by 5 a.m., mm-hmm. we have confirmation that Sid is awake and around and belligerent, like always. But then, you know, Leon was talking about how it was interesting because Sid always woke up at five. Yeah. Yeah, always woke up at five to go to the methadone clinic. It's like his body knew he needed it. So he would get to the methadone clinic by six and walk there. Now, this is terrifying to me because methadone is a substitute to try to get off of heroin. Yes. And they were doing Um, both. Yeah. Yes. And like everything else under the sun. And it's just like, oh, my God. And the fact that they survived that, all things considered. I mean, yeah. yeah, I think I got problems, but they're not these problems. Thank God. Right. So, right. right. I got dog knee problems. I don't have methadone. Right. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Like, I'm like, we need some new curtains. You know, <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> not I'm so suburban and boring. It's <laughs> very vanilla. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So we we see 
Sid at 530, he's bloody, he's staggering into another room of some mm-hmm. sort. Another resident at the hotel who refuses to be identified. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And then we say he he goes to the methadone clinic. We do know that he woke up and went to the methadone clinic per his description later. We'll get to that. Right. According to the autopsy report, Nancy was stabbed between 6 and 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, she also had a lot of cuts on her. Yes. But it was this one stab wound to the stomach that killed her. Okay. Okay. At 7.30 a.m., the neighbor in room mm-hmm. 102, Vera Mendelssohn, heard moaning in a woman's voice coming from room 100. Right. And it sounded like she was alone. I'm not sure what that sounds like. I'm guessing because she didn't hear any other sounds, she assumed right. this person was alone. And Neon Leon confirms that these walls were thin and perhaps this woman had her window open. And so you could probably hear some of that. It was probably very mm-hmm. reasonable to think that this was truth. Right. So. Right. And then he also confirmed that, and everyone confirms that Sid and Nancy had loud, crazy fights, right? Mm -hmm. All the time. They fought all the time and it was very loud and everyone heard it and everybody knew they were not ashamed of this. This was their life. (laughs) And the fact that Vera said on the night that this happened, there was no fight fight. because she could hear it all. Right. Yes. I trust Vera. Right. So. According to the report, an autopsy report, Nancy died between 8 and 10. So she yes. was stabbed between 6 and 7, bled out very slowly, mm-hmm. died between 8 and 10 a.m. And these were reportedly fairly shallow cuts, right? Like these were not like yes. the murder weapon, Cody Fingers, was likely like a five, five and a half inch blade. This was not right. a super deep wound. So kind of yeah. introduces some interesting interpretation of what that might have been. Right. So mm-hmm. all the cuts all over her, they were doing self-harm already, right? Yes. So they did cut themselves and each other often. Yes. So those other cuts are indicative of that behavior, but the one right. in the stomach was different. Okay. That one went straight in. It wasn't like a slice, right? So that mm-hmm. one went into her stomach. It didn't go deep. Like you said, it was a shallow mm-hmm. wound that it was deep enough to cut some blood vessels and yes. whatever. Yeah. It was yeah. just placed in such a way that it was effective. I mean, whether or not it was on purpose or not. Yeah. It was fatal. I think with treatment, it wouldn't have been, but you know, yes. they were so out of it. It might not have been, yes. right? So here's Sid's story. He woke up in a, the bed was bloody. Yep. He thought he'd pissed himself. You're that drunk. You just feel wet. You assume. Did I say drunk? I don't know. He was just that fucked up anyway. Probably that too, though. Yeah. yeah. He saw Nancy slouched under the sink, but she was breathing all right and she wasn't bleeding, he said. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the methadone clinic. Got his methadone. He returns to the hotel, finds Nancy not breathing, decides to wash her. That one was weird. Yep. And then around 9.30 finally calls for help. Yes. So there are a couple, a couple issues that they talk about. So one cop said there's no way she could have gone into the bathroom having lost that much blood. But yeah, because you don't see like blood just drug through. Right. Right. She wasn't mm-hmm. like crawling through. She might have stumbled because there is blood throughout the room. Yes. And it was such a slow bleed that who knows at what point in time she became too weak or unconscious. Yes. It is problematic. Know. I mean, like, it's, you know, we're left with a lot of questions here. Like there are some photographs there are some drawings there are uh, lots of person personal interpretations of what happened but we just Mm -hmm. don't really know right so alan tannenbaum is a photographer Mm -hmm. that he gets the call that sid vicious killed his girlfriend Mm -hmm. the chelsea he grabs his camera and goes yep and by god they let him right in there they let him right (laughs) in oh you can't take your camera and take take pictures but you can go in and look around see yeah that New York police work in the 70s was spot on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't, I'm surely there was some kind of like payoff situation going on there. I don't know. Who knows? They're yeah. like, yeah, whatever. This guy killed his girlfriend if you want to see right. it, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he said, yeah, that the apartment was total chaos. It was <sighs> trash and clothes everywhere. It smelled horrible. And he's like, it couldn't have smelled like a decaying body. But you have to understand that when a person dies, they also eliminate. I mean, yeah, they didn't specifically yeah. mention that, but he does tell you that it smells horrible. And uh, you're mm-hmm. just like, I hate to think of people living in those kind of conditions, but yeah. I digress. It's just, it's very sad. It is. You know, it's just very it sad. Is. It is very sad. She tried to commit suicide a few times. Mm-hmm. She was very depressed. She had always said that she would not live to 21. Yes. She kind of always had this in her brain. Yes. And I don't know what that would feel like. I, I can't either. even imagine. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So 
she was a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Right. Ned and some of the other neighbors run to the lobby because they hear Nancy's dead. Mm-hmm. They hear Sid killed her. And as Nancy, or as Nancy did not walk out, she was in a body bag. <laughs> as Sid walked out, they ask him because he's in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Sid, what happened? He's like, I don't know. Right. He has no recollection of any of this happening. Right. <laughs> Victor, you know, the cops are trying to talk to all the people that live mm-hmm. there. And Victor, like, peaced out, and he went to the Bronx with his friends because he thought this S guy, mm-hmm. you know, snake, snake spider, spider, sniper, Steve, whatever, yeah. <laughs> might know that he saw him, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So he was afraid. Yep. Ned said that Rockets knocked on his door later mm-hmm. after they went to Sid Nancy. So this is prior to them knowing the mm-hmm. death. That Rocket came back, and he had a lot of money with a purple hairband mm-hmm. around it, which he had seen in Nancy's. Yep hand essentially earlier so he was like fucking hell what did rocket do yeah and then there's this little tale about rockets tried to kill ned but there's no there's no explanation there he's like well you just tried to kill me one time and then i thought well you know everybody's like i don't think he'd be willing or able to do this because there was a lot of suspicion on rockets Mm -hmm. he had access to them certainly he knew that they had money from quotey fingers record deal so he would have been able to kill her. Yeah. And so there was some heat on him, but there was also a lot of people like, well, he was an op- you know, opportunistic bastard and he would have stolen that money, but I don't think he would have killed her. But Ned's like, I don't know, you guys. I, you know, he tried to kill me with no explanation. Yeah. So that's sort of the end of that. So Rockets is a shady character. Yeah. He's a shady character. Yeah. He's one suspect. Another suspect is Skip mm-hmm. Wayne, who was the quote guy. S guy. Yeah. He was a roadie hanger out guy. Someone said, looks <laughs> a hanger out guy. Just hung around, like, you know. If you were in the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, you would be the dancer. He was the hanger out guy. <laughs> um, he's like, just yes. let me go on stage. It'll be memorable. It'll be great. Yep. yep. <laughs> but he hung around everyone so he could sell his drugs. Yeah. He claimed to be Neon Leon's manager. And Leon's like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then as someone said if a drug dealer wanted to kill someone, they would have just killed her. They wouldn't have, you know, stuck a knife in one time and walked away. And I'm like, but maybe they didn't mean to kill her. Maybe it was like, listen, bitch. And you know yeah. what I mean? They thought it was shallow enough. They didn't yes. think it would do much damage. Yeah. I, I mean, know. it's hard to say. Yeah. Maybe they weren't really violent, but they had to they meant to kill her, but they chickened out halfway through. Maybe they were know. standing there and she walked into the knife. I mean, that's what Sid said. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Suspect number three, Stephen Cincati, mm-hmm. Steve, Steve C. C. This is someone that Rockets placed mm-hmm. there. He said that Steve C. was on the scene. He was their regular Quaalude mm-hmm. and Tuanon dealer. However, no one else has ever heard or seen this guy. And Leon's like, listen, I lived on the right. first floor. I, I hung out in the lobby all I the time. I knew everybody everyone. coming in and out of there. I was well-versed with yeah. the kind of usual suspects, and I don't know who this cat is. Mm-hmm. So... Right. It's sort of put out there as Rockets was trying to divert some heat. I will make up this yeah, character. That's what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Rocket said he saw him getting in the elevator or something at yeah. 5 a.m. And we're like, mm. sure, sure, Jan. Also, he's a rival drug dealer. <laughs> so I'm like, mm, okay. Mm-hmm. A neighbor said that Sin came out of the room saying, I killed Nancy. But then others said it was more of a question, more of a um, my cousin Vinny kind of situation <laughs> where he was like, I killed Nancy? Yeah. So those are very different, but I'm pretty sure cops then and now take that as a confession. So they don't use punctuation as often. They don't need to. They just take the words and use them as... I mean, again, we don't have a whole lot of... This is not like a hardcore look at the facts, right? This is just a lot of... Speculation. So there's no... There's nothing official from the police that we're really given in this. It's just sort of like a maybe something. This is what the word on the street was. And I also think it's probably true that this is probably not what the police really want to be spending their time on because these are drug addicts and punk rockers and probably not the, you know, the people that really matter at this time. You know what I'm saying? So, (laughs) or I know, but I'm just, I just, just get the feeling that this is likely a scenario where these people were kind of, um, you know, brushed off really in essence. Right. Well, and someone had said that too. They said, you know, they didn't even really look into yes. rockets or any of them because they yep. had their man. There was no need to look further. Yes. And although Sid 
oftentimes, so depending on who you mm-hmm. talk to, he would say things like he didn't remember mm-hmm. anything. Maybe he did kill her because he was mm-hmm. fucked out. He had no idea. But then other people said that he confessed saying that it was an accident mm-hmm. that after the thing with the bellboy, mm-hmm. you know, he returned to the room, got in a fight with Nancy and she smacked him on the nose right where the bellboy oh, had punched yes. him. So it hurt. And then, so he pulled out a knife to scare her and she walked mm-hmm. into it, but neither one of them felt it was like a horrible wound. So they just went back to bed. Right. Which turned out to be fatal for her. Yes. But is that something that he told himself because he has no idea what happened? He's like, well, this must be what happened. I must've done it. This seems like yeah. the most likely scenario. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't know and you don't know what the cops are trying to get him to believe. You don't know what's, I mean, like, again, we just don't have mm-hmm. a lot of the official part of the story. So right, I did think it was interesting that he ended up having some good representation. He did. So Malcolm, who Sid had essentially pushed aside when the sex mm-hmm. pistol split up his former manager then raised bail money and got him a great lawyer apparently what patty Hearst lawyer yeah. not too shabby no and they were prepared to fight mm-hmm. the charges and someone else had made a comment that there were so many different scenarios mm-hmm. that could have been possible there's no way they could have convicted him without right. reasonable doubt there was no proof of anything it's just all hearsay right sort of speculation absolutely mm-hmm. but you know some of his friends thought maybe don't bail yep. him out, right? So he's in jail. He's clean yep. while he's in jail. He's not around the people who are going to give him drugs. But unfortunately, the lawyer's like, once you're offered bail, if you don't take yeah. it, it kind of looks yeah. bad. Yeah, kind of a twisting of the arms situation. Like, it's not the greatest for him, but he ends up going and staying with his mom after he's bailed out. He was sober for a time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. He's not in a great place because mm-hmm. he does try to kill himself at this point. Yeah. Yeah, because he wants to rejoin Nancy, is what he says. He misses her. Nancy's mom doesn't want any of the friends or anybody who knew Nancy in New York to come Mm -hmm. to the funeral. And I don't know. They don't talk much about Mm -hmm. her family. But I would be interested to know what their perspective on it was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, were they like, we don't want to be reminded of you people Mm -hmm. who probably did this to her? Or... Do they take any responsibility of the fact that she probably left home at like 14 and started sex work because of her relationship I mean, with her family? I don't again, know. Again, this is sort of not the focus of this documentary, but it's an interesting story and I would like to know more. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like the fact that it seems pretty quick to people that he starts out hanging out with a new girlfriend. Her name is Michelle. Mm-hmm. What an interesting dynamic that must have been. Like, hey, I may have killed that last girlfriend, but I've got an opening, you know? So right. weird. <laughs> well, that's what. So mm-hmm. Donna Dostry was one of Nancy's friends, and she actually told Michelle, "She's like, you might want to be careful because you know he might have killed Nancy." Yeah, no we're unclear really on the events that happened here. So yeah. watch yourself, girlfriend. Is basically the message. Mm-hmm. Michelle then goes and tells Sid this message, which pisses Sid off. So then Sid threatens Donna, to which Donna's like, "Well." I guess that clears that up. <laughs> right, because everybody's up to this point, you're like, he's a sweet guy, and, you know, he's into the drugs, and maybe that's mm-hmm. where a lot, you know, we just, we can't get a great read on him. But there's definitely some, you know, some incidents that happen after this that people kind of question. People are kind of, like, yeah, interesting. We did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. They go to, this is Sid, and I don't know if Michelle's there, this one or not, that the Scoffish show and let me say, <laughs> the guy thing. named Scoffish as an artist, he's my new best friend. I mean, he seems like an amazing human being. Oh. So dramatic, right? The dramatic retelling of this event. Yeah, it's so like, good. oh, <laughs> riveting. Yes, yes. He should have told the whole story. I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead and, and kind of take us from here, yeah. He was saying... They're at the show, they're doing their show, and Sid is in the audience, and he's gesturing wildly in, like, these very bizarre way to one of the members of the band, the female member of the band, I can't remember which one. And then he starts flirting with the roadie, the drum roadie, Tara. And he was asked very politely by Todd. Todd Smith. hmm Yeah, to wait until after the show, because Todd and Tara were watching the stage mm-hmm. with them. I don't know what that means, but they were watching, they had a job mm-hmm. to do at this time, right? So they're working. Apparently, Sid took this the wrong way and took the beer bottle he had in his hand and smashed it over Todd's face. Mm-hmm. Then Sid was dragged out of the club 
I'm assuming kicking and screaming because that's the only mm. way to go and thrown down the stairs. <laughs> and then Sid was arrested. Yes. Jesus. He went to Rikers for that. Yes. That seems extreme, right? Again, we don't have a lot of details on why they chose to do it this way. I mean, maybe it was because he tried to kill himself. Maybe it was because he's under suspicion and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they could have been lots of different things. Yeah. Clearly, he's a bit unbalanced at this point. Mm-hmm. But you're right. He's only in there for a short time. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, they decide to have a dinner party at Sid's right? place, which he shares with his mother. Yeah, to celebrate him being out of Rikers. It's February 2nd, 1979. Mm-hmm. So this is only... Some months. Like four yeah. months. Three, four yeah. months after mm-hmm. Nancy died. And he's mm-hmm. clean. He's been clean for several mm-hmm. weeks now because in prison, apparently you can't get it. And they have a dinner party. They're going to celebrate. They say he seems great. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, someone brings right. the drugs. Some very pure yep. heroin. And Sid, not thinking that, oh, I've been clean for a while. I probably should <laughs> dial it down a smidge. Yes. Decides to do the same dose as he did mm-hmm. before. A side note, it's exactly how Janice Joplin yeah. died, too. Fucking right. waste, man. And he passed out, and everyone thinks he OD'd. They kind of freak out. They're sitting there waiting for him mm-hmm. to wake up. He finally wakes up. Everyone's like, oh, thank God, mm-hmm. you're fine. And they go home. Some point after that, his mother gives yep. him more. And that's the dose yes. that killed him. Now, there's speculation mm-hmm whether she knew it would kill him or not did she give it to him knowing he would die because she thought he would spend the rest of his life in prison for nancy's murder yes so she is a seasoned addict she understands Mm -hmm. how these things work right so she's not like a babe in the woods here she's practiced she's a practiced hand at this so Mm -hmm. yes there is some speculation that she helped him die or killed him whatever you want to say on purpose to avoid mm-hmm. more serious consequences, I guess, in her mind. I don't know. But yeah, unfortunately, he dies. Yeah. On one hand, I kind of hope that's the situation. Because if it were an accident, how could you live with yourself? Uh, you know I know. I mean? And then they even talk kind of about his mom afterwards. And that's a little bit strange. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But then it just, in my opinion, ended very abruptly. And I was like, uh, oh, okay. And we're done. Yeah. Well, the headline after Sid died... I thought this was interesting. It says Sid Vicious's death brings a symbolic end to punk rock. Oh, yeah. Sad. He is, he's cremated. They decide they need to put the ashes on mm-hmm. Nancy's grave. So they make this trip. The friends mm-hmm. and the mom make this trip to mm-hmm. Nancy's grave. On the way at some point in time, they decide they're going to snort some of the ashes. Howie Pyro does it first, but then no one else does it. Yeah. Nobody else does. <laughs> Oh, that's awkward, right? Yeah. Also, can we say that he looks a lot like Clancy Brown? (laughs) Doesn't he? (laughs) Okay, not just me. Like young Clancy Brown. Right. Right. Like I said, there's a lot of very interesting characters Mm -hmm. in this whole documentary. They, like, just a life lived. You know what I mean? There's one girl that was, um, I think a friend of both Sid and Nancy, but her Mm -hmm. name was Helen Killer. And I thought, Mm -hmm. that's the best roller derby name I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> she yeah, she was amazing. Mm. So yeah, they get to the graveyard and the mom jumps over the fence because it's the middle of the night at this point and it's mm-hmm. cold and snowy and she puts some of the ashes on the grave. She does mm-hmm. it alone, so they assume she puts ashes on the grave, but we'll say for symbolic purposes she did. Sure. And that's that's kind of it. Yeah. That's kind of the end of the story. They both mm-hmm. died. They were both just babies when they died and they had lived such hard life in those 20 to 21 years they had lived such hard lives it is absolutely heartbreaking and nobody really ever followed up with her case after this like once he died they were like well that's done yeah yeah and so you're like i don't know that that feels great but again i mean he was never convicted Mm -mm. so it's i mean i think you could say remains unsolved if it was a murder, like I don't really even yeah. know about that. They do say that because of the way the stab wound was, they mm-hmm. don't think it could have been suicide. But I'm right. like, if she didn't die immediately, of course it could have been. Well, because the knife wasn't left in. But if she didn't die immediately, it obviously could have been pulled out. I don't know. The The, the police work was obviously pretty sketch to begin with. It's they just not care. very satisfying. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just, you're just like, what? 
<laughs> yeah. It is bizarre. Yeah. It has always been one of those things that I was curious about. Mm-hmm. But their relationship is just so tumultuous. And the fact that people want to live up to that blow my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that they, I mean, I think they brought out the worst in each other is really what this comes down to. And mm-hmm. I agree with you. Like, this is what we consider a passionate relationship and it just seems fucking exhausting. So, mm-hmm. you know, you want, I mean, preachy moment here. You want to be with somebody who brings out the best in you. Yeah. I want to be with someone who I feel calm and comfortable with. Right. I don't want to be on edge all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. That could yeah. just be the laziness in me. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely it's, it's put a, put them on the map of pop culture and it's still mm-hmm. something that people talk about whether or not they really know the whole story is debatable but mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's it just makes me sad they were young they obviously cared about each other for you know maybe different reasons but the fact that mm-hmm. they both died so young and horribly is really sad to me so it is mm-hmm. it is but they will both be remembered for a very long time and that's kind of what they wanted so in the end yeah they got what they wanted right yeah yeah so shall we talk about next week to <laughs> an abrupt changing of subject on that note mm-hmm. what are we doing next week so next week we're going to cover horror noir this is the history of black horror directed by xavier bergen it's a kind of a re- of some, well it's from a book there was an author who wrote some words and that's how <laughs> books have formed <laughs> and that's it we're done that's, we're done <laughs> Uh, this was done in 2019. It is on Shutter, and it is based on a book by Robin R. Means Coleman, PhD, who is the mm-hmm. author of a book by the same name, I believe. So, indeed, it'll be exciting. It'll be educational, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I'm super pumped. We'll ask you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Go Doc Yourself. We try to post, let's see, once a week or so, but. Anyway, yeah, we'd appreciate any comments, any recommendations. Perhaps we haven't asked for that in a couple weeks. So, oh, yeah. So go listen to some Sex Pistols and figure out what your favorite song is, because they certainly left an imprint. That's that's for damn sure. So, yep. Listen to it. Drive fast. but safe. <laughs> yes. Get out your studded leather jackets. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Spike that hair up. That's and right. Your best life. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Super fun. Yep. Okay. Until next week, everyone. Later. Bye. It's